0: This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith weekly devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link in this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in the episode description. Bishop, in this week's devotion, you highlight John the Baptist's story and talk about clarity. You celebrate the clever art of good question making and that we should be inquisitive, not just for the sake of gaining more information, but gaining clarity about who we are, why we are, whose we are, and going about our role in relationship to God's. And you talk about the clarity of testimony. So my first question for you is, What's your story? How did you get clear on your life's mission and how it relates to God's mission?
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my, my, my testimony, if you really put it in those terms, which makes some Episcopalians queasy, but, but, but how <laughs> I am where I am right now uh, is because I was lost. I was lost. I had uh, I had achieved academic uh, success I had been around literally been around the world two times in service to our country wore the uniform very proud of that I had distinguished myself in flight school and dive school and all kinds of other things and still at the same time I was lost um, uh, and and you know to spare you the sort of whole long sad story thank God that when I got to you know a a pretty extravagant uh, sense of being lost, a friend invited me to church. I mean, my, my story is not so so extraordinary. And, and, and in this little Episcopal church in Washington, D.C., you know, I met a man who, who happened to be a priest, and he was not so holy that he was going to fly away. He was a normal person uh, who loved God and uh, who had had his own struggles with being lost. And 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 uh, he invited me back, and I kept coming back, and I I felt less loss over a couple of years, and 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 over those couple of years, I have took up a real relationship with scripture, and took up a real relationship with service to neighbor, and I kept feeling found, and and less. Burdened by, you know, who am I and what am I and who gives a damn. And so, my testimony really is that God has made all the difference in the person of Jesus Christ to me in my life. Uh, that's not as an ordained person, that's not as a bishop, that's not as any professional religious person. That is Rob, the, the person who sort of wakes up, and puts his feet on the side, uh, puts his feet on the floor and sitting on the side of the bed and says, Thank you, God. That, that's it. Without uh, my uh, meeting Christ Jesus, I would say, uh, in new and profound ways in that little parish in Washington, D.C., I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd be. I, I But I, I'm located in God now. And I know that I know that I know that. And that's that's everything to me.
1: So what you described is a bit of a conversion experience, yet... It didn't strike me as say like a uh I was hit over the head with the Bible and i like suddenly woke up and now i'm a, a Jesus yeah. follower. It sounded like it was a progression like a, a, over time um yeah, what are your well, I wouldn't that? say
0: that I had a conversion experience. I was raised in a in a Christian home, I was baptized i i was uh I was uh, put up for an adoption by a Christian woman I was adopted by the two practicing Christians. Uh, we went to church. My mother was a church organist. I would say what I had uh, over time was a confirmation experience. And yeah. and the confirmation is, is that, that those words do have power. Jesus is Lord. God is trustworthy. Uh, it does make sense to serve neighbor. Uh, you ought to be generous. You ought to forgive. You ought to be kind. You ought to take care of people who are vulnerable and defenseless. So, I mean, the confirmation just kept on building for me. That that in fact I had been given a gift early on, but I had never really fully appreciated or or actually activated it. Uh, and, and so when I met uh, Vincent Harris at Saint uh, George's uh, uh, Episcopal Church in Washington D.C., and when I met, met other people, you know, I got this this abiding sense of confirmation.
1: And how old were you? When oh, you good met lord!
0: Him? Oh. Uh, I got out of the Navy when I was. Uh, dot, dot, dot. I, I probably was in my mid 20s, mid 20s, 26. I was probably a little older than John the Baptist.
1: <laughs>
0: a little older. Than, yeah. That's great. Yeah.
1: Let's talk more about John the Baptist when we're back after a short break.
0: If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Bishop John the Baptist is kind of our star, our star in, in this week's message. And uh, one of the things you talk about in your devotion is testimony. And you were kind enough to share a little bit about yourself and your discernment and and how you came to not just know God, but accept God and confirm that this was going to be your way of life. I love questions. And um, I love, I've read this book and forgive me for not knowing the author's full name because my books are all packed for a move we're making right after Christmas, but anyway, <laughs> the name of the book is called Jesus is the Question, and it highlights all the questions Jesus asked, despite the fact that he's God. <laughs> Jesus asked far more questions than he answered, and he asked even more questions than were asked of him. And I'm like, maybe Jesus was on to something. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm I'm curious why it's so hard for us to be questioners than it is to be answer givers.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think about our formation, all of our formation by and large. I mean, we were taught in a very early age that you get the gold star for having the right answer, right? Nobody got the gold star for having the right question, right? So we've been socialized and, and, and formed to be sort of answer heavy. Uh, but you know, the truth of the matter is, is that you get to intersections in life or in business or in marriage or in child rearing, uh, or in life where, you know, you, you don't have any answers. You're presented with a situation where there's not any answers. And so that how you sort of, how you adapt out of that, how you make your way through that is, is that, you know, you, you get with some people who can help you form better questions. And then, you know, you find by the grace of God and, and by the smarts of lots of folks, you find that the, that answers begin to materialize. And uh, so, so you know Jesus, in, in his sort of true Hebraic fashion, asks questions uh, so that people can dig around in their own spirit in their own brain, and 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 so to assemble an answer, right? And and also, it's also not to sort of just um, what I like about that model is is that you know the onus is on uh, not just the speaker but the listener. Right? They're sharing responsibility for that moment. This is why Jesus tells those wonderful stories. The stories are about the questions that they prompt about how we proceed day to day. How do we do money? How do we do time? How do we do neighbor? How do we do family? What is love? What is forgiveness? So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a particular genius. And you, know, you, know, you, you read the Bible through that lens and you realize Jesus is, for someone who is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, he asks a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, I don't think Jesus didn't have the answers. I think that Jesus thought that it was important that you and I struggled to find the answers that we could lay claim to as our truth. And John the Baptist, he, he does that, right? He, John the Baptist asks questions, you know, a prickly questions, straight, you know, forthright questions. Would you be baptized? Uh, do you repent? Uh, these sorts of things. And these are questions like the marriage vows that we've taken, some of us, These are questions that can be answered in a moment, but really the answer is really how we live the next several decades, right? And so they are these epicenter uh, questions that we keep coming back to again and again and again in small and large ways. So Jesus is a genius, and uh, he's just a genius. (laughs) Jesus is just a genius, man. I mean, you know, if you can't appreciate Jesus for any other reason, just appreciate the fact that he's a genius, You know, he's (laughs) he's a genius because he's not (laughs) manipulated by anybody else. What he does, he does with his eyes wide open. And what he does is, is that he asks questions so that you and I would grow up and and be the thing we say we really are. So, you know, Jesus's questions are about you and I sort of moving more fully into our integrity. And that's what questions do.
1: well, and that's why I feel like there's an invitation in oh, that for us, right? Like our job too, is not just to continue on our own journey, but to also help the people with whom we're in community.
0: Well, think of, yeah. So
1: how, yeah.
0: Well, I was going to say, think about it in the church. What do we do? It's not the baptismal uh, statement covenant. It's the ba- It's the baptismal <laughs> covenant, right? Which is Which is all about questions. Will you, will you seek and serve? Uh, will you respect the dignity will, uh, w- when you fall into sin? Will you repent and return to the Lord? Will you? Will you? Will you? these are questions that we say we answer in the moment and we answer in community. But we, when we walk away from there and we go to the office the next day or we're on a Zoom the next day, you know, you know those those questions hover. And every day we get a chance to say, I, I will, with God's help, and I will leverage that right now. I'll be that right now, uh, or not. Um, and if we fall, we fall and we, you know, the good news is that there's always tomorrow with God. So yeah, the questions are crucial. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of us have plateaued in our career, in our marriage, in our own life with God, because we run out of questions. And so maybe what is required for us is to become better question askers. There's a class right now at MIT, uh, called leadership through inquiry. And I've taken it and I've, I've commended it to the whole House of Bishops now. And we're going to teach a module on this. And I'm so excited about it because as I was taking this class via Zoom on, at MIT, I was saying to myself, this is the most thorough spiritual formation class I've taken in a long time. Because wow. they, they were asking, what's your life with questions? Well, basically they were saying is, is that what's your sense of self? Do you only understand yourself as being able to be the kid who's got his or her hand up fast for the answer you know, and then they went on to say, "You know one of the worst things you can do is give the right answer to the wrong question right so <laughs> so how how we increase capacity in our own spirit in our corporation in our marriage in our in our sort of child rearing is we ask non aggressive questions we ask questions that are open ended that engage the imagination right. We ask questions, and so what would it be like if you and I both increased our competency to ask better questions? Uh, the class, the point of the class was, is that that you would find new square footage in your organization amongst your team, et cetera. It was really a sort of a wonderful class, and I I couldn't commend it, you know, sort of more. But then I I'd take your class like that, then I go back to the Bible, and I find out that John and Jesus you know, before MIT, <laughs> they were geniuses, mm-hmm. right? This is, this <laughs> is what right. they did, you know? And so we don't baptize secular ideas. No, we, what we realize is that when we take classes like that, we realize that, you know, there again uh, is exhibit A, uh, God is a genius. And if you and I uh, pay attention to beautiful questions, like who are you and how do you know? And how do you know God loves you? And what's that testimony, um, and uh, and uh, how do you actually spend your time? Uh, do you spend it on other, um, and do you really care for neighbor? Uh, those sorts of things. What they do is is they unlock, they unlock, uh, and they offer and they invite, as you have said. But why we don't do that, let's talk about that for a minute, why why John was a scandal, why Jesus was a scandal, is because they ask inconvenient questions. The status quo doesn't want any questions. None at all. The status quo wants you to feed the hungry, but never ask why the inequity in the system so that they are hungry. So, So the reason why we kill question askers is because those questions are inconvenient right and And so that's what we have learned. We have been socialized, you know the kid in the class who asks all the questions is an annoyance to us, right? <laughs> and so we don't like that kid, right because that, that kid no. is slow, <laughs> kid is slowing up the flow here, right? So John the Baptist is that kid, right? John the Baptist is the kid who was raised in church, whose mommy and daddy were sort of dyed in the wool, Episcopalians, if you will and and John ends up in a muddy stream asking questions. About people's real life, will you live now? will you stop lying? will you put it all behind you? Will you live for God you know and 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 who is pissed off at John? the religious authorities
1: mm-hmm. that's right I you know i I'm, it struck me as you were talking that uh, questions are birthed from dissatisfaction,
0: yeah, something's not you working. Know.
1: And should we as Christian people be satisfied? <laughs> <laughs> that's a question. What a that great I'm question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: OK. What, but, but I mean,
0: satisfy. So that, even that's a nice idea. So let's think about that for a minute. What is the definition of satisfy? Well, if, if we are Christian people who are formed by our holy book, the Bible, and how Jesus walked and talked it, satisfied would have to mean equity and justice. And so it can't be our definition of satisfaction because that there, there's too much in that that can go wrong, right because what we end up doing, most of us is taking care of kin and tribe and clique rather than the whole family right the whole, the whole family. family yeah we take we take care of party, we take care of you know you know the deal right. Uh, I was on a board once uh, where we had uh, we had a, a particular scholarship offering that was written in many many decades ago, and it was only for for people who had blonde hair. That was the scholarship, right? You had to be blonde hair to get the scholarship, right? So so our predisp- predisposition is to take care of only some part of the family. So if we're talking about uh, satisfaction, the, the the question is is that whose satisfaction? The Bible seems to think that God's satisfaction is something we should orient ourselves to, right? Not God-orienting God's self to our satisfaction. That's where we've got the upside-downness in our religion. We think that God is some sort of cosmic good luck charm, (laughs) some kind of cosmic valet for our whim, where the Bible articulates another God, which is that you and I are participating in God's story. And that's the only way we find meaning in life, in real life is that I am, with you, a participant in God's story that is about love overthrowing everything that is not love.
1: So let's talk about that. Toward <laughs> the end of your devotion, <laughs> you mentioned Jesus and our role in his friend meeting yeah. campaign. And I'm wondering what our current invitation is in that. The
0: current. I love these questions. The current invica- uh, invitation is at uh, 6,000 <laughs> years old. Right.
1: (laughs) How about that?
0: I love when I get on these interviews, like the radio show. So tell, what do we do now? Like, like, you know, like, like, like God is like CNN. This just in from the Lord. Right. (laughs) To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God and with your neighbor. It's the same old message, right? It's the same old message. I love how we get so like I don't know what to do you know i'm called, <laughs> I, I'm going to use a word, I'm going to use a phrase here just 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 for amplification here i'm calling bullshit on that right we know exactly what god requires come on
1: yeah come on
0: come on and this is why i wrote this meditation in the way that i wrote it you know i grew up watching perry mason which dates me and perry mason would w- artfully through questions you know sort of weave his way around all these sort of Half truths, partial truths, obfuscations, you know, oblique answers until at the end of the show. And it was always just, you know, just like with one minute left, you know, Perry breaks the witness and the witness just is, is, ends up in a clump, you know, on the stand saying, yes, yes, you know, finally the truth. Right. And so and this is what I like about John the Baptist. We don't know what happened backstage for John the Baptist. We don't know how God's questions pierced his life. And, and, and how they you know sort of uh, ejected him out into a muddy stream to be a truth teller, but but we know that, that that's how God works, and we know that you know questions are not just about information for us who follow Jesus, they're about clarity. and so so at the very least, uh, how, how is it that we sit in church for decades and, and still act like we don't know what God requires? I don't know. I don't know. That's not a very flattering statement about a church and our teaching, is it? About what has happened in our pews and from our altars. No, the message is not a new message. It's an old message, which is love, mercy, do justice, right? Take up the work. Not everybody has to do everything, but everybody should be doing something, not because of obligation or shame or guilt but because we are flattered to be in partnership with God who's about life and liberation. Flattered. Who the hell am I that God would include me in God's direction? I'm nothing. I mean, I don't have bad self-worth here. I'm not saying that, but who am I? I think sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. Like God God, God should be, you know, sort of sitting in my waiting room waiting until I deign to condescend to respond. No. The the maker of everything, all the worlds, as the Muslims say, has decided, not by accident or necessity, to include me, invite me in his, her, friend-making campaign with the world to reconcile people to God, to neighbor, to ourselves. My goodness, it's always the same. (laughs) It's never been
1: different. It's never been different. (laughs) I'm going I'm to make an invitation right now to our listeners. Go make a friend for Jesus today. I
0: mean, you know, and you look, And here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus never sort of walked around and said, hey, I'd like to make a friend with you in the name of God. I mean, just read the book, man. The guy was like, hey, how about some dinner? Hey, how about a story? How, 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 about, a, how about a campfire? You know, how about some wine? Let me, let, Sorry, let, let me tell you about my mama. Let me tell you about how I've seen angels ascending and descending. You know, I mean, I, I, we overcomplicate this thing, and one one wonders if this overcomplication, unnecessary uh, overcomplication, is about our work avoidance. <sighs> Look, John is beautiful. You know, even you know. Remember, we we forget that John the Baptist was was uh, Jesus's preacher. Mm-hmm. We forget that. And so John, Jesus, ta- upon John's beheading, Jesus takes up John the Baptist's ministry. We forget that. Je- Jesus is the younger cousin, right? John is the older cousin. And so, so Jesus then goes out in the extension of John the Baptist, you know, I would say empowered and inspired by his, his older cousin, about his courage, and his clarity to go out and be that in Galilee in the way that Jesus was. And Jesus was a whiner and a diner and a hello and a friend maker and a sitting on the side of a well with people who didn't deserve in the law to be sat, you know, sat beside and, and spoken to like a human being. So, you know, I, I, I say that to people who think that we have to, so there's some sort of protocol about this. I think what we have to do is be realize that we have been, made friends by God and that, you know, just return the favor. I mean, in, in all of our lives, there are people who could do with a friend. Just could just do with a friend. A kind word, an affirming word, a meal, some flowers. A, hey, you're doing a good job. A, hey, that sucked, but I'm standing right here with you. Everybody could. I mean, if we did that as Christian people, could change the temperature of our communities
1: yeah well bishop as always it's a delight to be with you and to chat thank you for listening to four people with bishop rob wright you can keep up with us on instagram and facebook at bishop rob wright please subscribe leave a review and we'll be back with you next week